Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. It's hard for me. You know what I try to do, Eddie? Eddie, I try to sing those songs at the speed that I was raised growing, uh, singing them. We're going to have to bring you on halftime. Yep. The Mayflower, when you want to sing that Mayflower style, this is like singing that rock and roll, Eddie. So my mind wants to sing them the way I did back when I was a child, but it's about half the speed. I guess those old Presbyterians, we really savored them. <laughs> Amen. I hope you're having a good week. It is, again, it's been a beautiful week, um, but more importantly, it's beautiful because Jesus died on the cross for us. We are not an object of God's wrath, but an object of God's mercy through what Christ did on our behalf. And if that doesn't give you a reason to smile, to be excited, and to be thankful, then I'll just tell you what, you got big problems because there is not this world, Ecclesiastes, what? Meaningless, says the teacher. And if you don't know God's creative purpose for you, if you're not living in the light of his glory and grace, if you're not faithfully sold out as a living sacrifice to him, I'll be honest with you, you're not living, you're existing. God's desire is to take the ordinary and do the extraordinary. What you do with it is strictly up to you. I know there's a lot of people that say, you know, they're uh, in many denominations or pastors are really controlling in the sense of, listen, I hard enough time dealing with myself you and God's word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit's where it's I don't tell you how to live your life I'm just sure God's word says and at the end of the day you can live in the light of his glory and grace and experience the amazing abundant life that God designed for you to but at the end I'm not your dad I'm not the you have to choose to do that what you've heard me say over and over again I cannot will you to obedience if that was the case, I would will everybody in here to obedience. And do you realize the, the good fight would be won because there would be nothing else we really had to restrain. One of the biggest battles we have is restraining the battles of self, the battles of selfishness, the battles of flesh. And it's a continual, a continual battle in Scripture with flee, fleeing all these desires that are deceptive and deceitful. And literally just a picture of back in the Garden of Eden with the deception just because there's not a piece of fruit you're looking at does not mean it's any different it is what the enemy brings and and sadly oftentimes we will see it and we will look at it and say wow it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom so right you eat and give some to your spouse but we can make a concerted choice not to do that we don't have to yield our members of our body to sin and sinful desires and thoughts it doesn't, well, I was just, the devil kept tempting. No, your desires dragged you away, is what Scripture says. And we have the uh, privilege of having the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. And it might say, well, what's the difference in Jesus then? Because, you know, that was Jesus. What descended on Jesus like a dove? The Holy Spirit. So we have the same power in us that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God dwelled indwelt Jesus. So we have the same power that Jesus had. The question is, 
are we going to utilize it? Are we going to allow our mind to be conformed in the likeness of Christ? And again, that's the choice that we make every single day. And if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. It's a story I preached out of, I know maybe once before, I don't know what the context of that was, but tonight's message is titled, Who's Your King? And we're really going to see here the picture of, I mean, kingship all throughout Scripture. We know what that is, kingship, lordship. There's so many different servant masters. There's all these different ways in Scripture you see it. But God laid this message tonight on my, on my heart because, again, we'll get back into our typology next week, but God had been, had been so heavy on my heart the last few weeks that I knew I had to do what God laid on my heart. But we are every single day, there's a vying for our affections and it's every day it's not only every day it's all day every day every single thing that we do is compelled by either self or the selfless part of us that is being conformed in the likeness of christ it's basically are we answering in the man or are we answering in the spirit man are we walking in the flesh or are we walking in the spirit are we walking in the ordinary or are we walking in the extraordinary? Every single one of those has an answer. Now, what's the, the, the best thing we can do, above all, is to be honest with yourself about it. A lot of times you're not going to be honest with others. That's one of the battles, right? Honesty, because especially when our intentions aren't what they should or maybe there's a question about intentions and you know, what do we want to do? We want to take the high road. Oh, oh, Lord forbid that someone would think badly. I mean, be honest with yourself. And I say that because when you're honest with yourself, even if you, let's just say you're, you're uh, involved in some kind of ministry aspect and you realize that your intentions are not what they should be, meaning you've wanted self-gratification or self-glorification, you've, you've found out that you're kind of warped in the, in the reasoning that you went to do what you were doing. The best thing you can do is, is to get back to square one, get honest with yourself, go back to the place where you remember what compelled you originally, you've lost your first love, why did you do that? Well, I, I, I originally did it for the right reason, but I found myself not where I should be. We're serving a king every single day. Sometimes we find ourselves being caught in idolatry. Anybody ever been caught in idolatry in here? All right, the rest of you will find out sometime in short order, Amen. We've all battled that because what we don't realize is the form with which idolatry can take. I think we don't appreciate that at times. Recognize the very simple things in life can become idols. One of the big ones is with people. Codependency. Codependency is deadly. It is deadly. You know, you find your sense of fulfillment in a person. When you don't have a relationship, you don't have a person, you're a train wreck, everything is off base, and that's really toxic. It's extremely toxic spiritually because when you fall in love with Jesus and he's all you need, then you get to the proper place where you can love someone appropriately the way that God created you to love them. What you're doing is you're loving him first and everything else in the flow chart goes down on that. And see, it's basically this thing, who's your king? Uh, some people have their king, their lord is their wallet. I don't have a wallet on me. But their wallet, money, finances. Some people's retirement has been their Lord for decades. They've looked to that and thought, okay, I'm going to be okay if, if I, I won't outlive my money. 
Well, if that's your focus, you got the wrong focus. Who cares if you outlive your money? Because you have the promise of Scripture. So if you believe God's a liar, then you better worry about your retirement taking care of you because you're in trouble. But if you're sold out and you've been obedient with your finances and it doesn't look like things are going to work out, you have the complete promise of God that everything and all of the needs will be provided for. But again, we have to be careful because it happens, again, in so many different forms. It happens continually. It's really, really easy, especially when we forget about, you know, I haven't thought about that. I'm spiritually past that thing. I'm looking over here at, you know, ladies, at some guy that could be that temptation or uh, guys, that woman that could be that temptation. But you forget all these other things. You know what else can be an idol? Religion. That's the one that a lot of people don't realize. You don't think about religion being an idol. What do you mean it can be an idol? Well, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, but you're here doing things because you know they're the right thing to do, you're not doing anything other than falling for the basic trap of idolatry. Tonight, though, I, qu I question, who's your king? Who's your king? And not only is who's your king the question tonight is answers it, but every single day, I think it's imperative that we always remember, keep a continual mindset of one, God, keep me desperate for you. Take my thoughts, take my wants, take my desires, take my will captive to your will, God. Don't even let me look to the left. God, put blinders on me so that I will not be deceived. Well, what do you mean? You think a Christian can be deceived? Absolutely, a Christian can be deceived. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, the religious are deceived. They get deceived by religion. The lost many times get deceived sadly by Christians that they look at and go, if that's Christianity, I'm a shoe in. Very, very important to realize anything can become an idol. But I pray tonight, though, that as we step back, we look at who the king of our heart, our lives, our homes are, our families, that we put what needs to be in the proper perspective where it needs to be. But again, that only happens through the leadership, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I hope you found 1 Samuel Chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. And if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence tonight for the reading of God's Word. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations have. When they said, give us the king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. <clears throat> but the Lord told him, listen, the people and everything they say to you, they've not rejected you, they have rejected me as their king. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for your word. God, help us realize tonight that you must be king. You must be Lord. You must be our everything, Father, and I pray if there's one here watching online tonight that you are not their everything, that God, tonight will be the night that they recognize where they're wrong, that they'll confess that as a sin that it is, Lord, and tonight in all things make you preeminent. God, may your word speak powerfully. May it speak mightily. Let your spirit have full and free reign. Hedge this building, these grounds with your protective angels. Purge anything that would not honor or glorify you that you will be the sole focus of everything said and done, and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So just to give you a little bit of a background, most of you probably are aware of this, some of you online, or maybe you don't know about it tonight. <clears throat> this is a period of time when 
as we see Samuel's getting old, Samuel's going to need to be replaced in soon, and his sons are not walking like he did, so there's a, a kind of a power, it's like there's almost a power struggle. To, so they decide they want a king. The Israelites, they're, they're looking out at the others, and they are thinking, <clears throat> we want to look like the other nations. We want a king to go out before us, you know, because why it looks good, and you think about those things even with ourselves. you know, you, you want a car that has this option on it, or you want a car that has that option, or you want a house that has this option. Why? Because, oh, the other people have it, and it looks so neat, and it looks so fun. You know, you want this TV because it does that. It, it ends up being one of those things you see, and then, in a sense, you covet what other people desire, what they have. That's what was basically happening here with God's people. The problem was God faithful in his kingship to them. Look at the desert. Look at them coming out of Egypt. Not only did they have a pillar of cloud by day, they had a pillar of fire by night. God faithfully, look at the parting of this. I mean, I can't even begin. We don't have enough time tonight to go into how faithful God has been as king to his people throughout all history and time. But this is another one of those times where the people look at the lost, the pagans, and in essence say, well, I want to be like them. Instead of, let's let them see what we're doing here and let them follow us. No, the, in a sense, the, the followers of God get off base and they're desiring a king. And it's so interesting because I we didn't have enough time to read it tonight, but you know, God tells them basically, this is what's going to happen if you want a king. You know, they're going to they're gonna tax you. They're going to take your daughters for wives and they're going to work them and they're going to take your land blocks. Goods, all these things. And says so basically, Samuel, let them know this is what the cost of that's going to be because it's not so beautiful on the surface. It's, it's a whole lot more than you think. And, of course, I'll tell you, they go back to him. He tells them that, and they say, oh, no, we want a king. Of course, this is all the lead-in to having King Saul, but look at the disaster that becomes. It's sad because there is not a king that we will ever get that will do what only God can do. And what that means is the total fulfillment, the total handling of everything that God always does. If you look at Scripture and God's, not only the promise of what he will do as king, when we are faithful and he, and when he told God's people, when you are faithful, this is what I'll do. And he just pours out this litany of things that God would do in the blessings. And it's sad because it's, it's almost as if it's never enough. And I ask you tonight, is he ever enough for you? Is he? I hope so. Because I had somebody come to me earlier today who's had some things happen in their life, and they just said a really awesome thing to me. They said, you know, I realize that, you know, just like life is just short. You know, God's all we need. But this, all the rest of this, you know, I reiterated Ecclesiastes, you know, Ecclesiastes is such a great book, you know, meaningless, meaningless. All of this other stuff is just meaningless. But in the moment, the problem is it's very difficult. Remember how I told you the enemy does? He brings things like this. So we think, oh, no, I need a leader. I need something. I need a new house. I need, new, I need whatever. We need something. And we act real if we just do this right here and let things go in the proper perspective. We'd realize we've got everything we need. But the lies the enemy tell us, we need a bigger house. And I need more money, right? Because more money always fixes things, doesn't it? No. But in the moment, we're convinced of that. 
We're convinced it's, it's the fix. You know, if you got a $40,000 job, oh, what I could do with an $80,000 job, right? An $80,000 a year job. Well, I guess now somebody was telling me the other day that their child made like $90,000 a year and they're working poor now because of where they live. And so then, you know, you're, you're wanting to that next spring to whatever, you know, one hundred, dollars or 120000 or whatever it is. It's always more because more always will give us what we need, right? And by the way, I'll tell you, if you get more, you'll spend more. Until you know to trust, to thank, and the rest in the Lord with it making $22,000 a year, you'll never have enough at $122,000 a year. Because until you resign yourselves, yield yourselves, however you want to put it, to the Lordship of Christ, the Kingship of Christ, with making him everything, nothing else will ever, ever fulfill the desire or the longing that you have inside. You can get caught in these. Matter of fact, you can get caught cyclically in a cycle like the Israelites did of sin and and repentance and sin. And I mean, you can do that. You can spend your whole life doing that. I don't want to do that. I hope that you don't either. Now, will we ever be sinless? No. Will no one in here will ever achieve sinlessness? But I will tell you this. We don't say... Well, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. No, we say, Lord, I will never be sinless, but I want to sin less. God, allow me to grow and conform into your likeness as you seek his face, as you delight yourself in him, what he gives you the desire of your heart, so more of himself to you and I. As we grow deeper in love with him, and as we grow deeper in love with him and pray that prayer I was telling you that Dan Brown taught me to pray many years ago, God, Help me hate the things that you hate and love the things that you love. Imagine if you begin to qualify the choices in life with that. God, how, right, imagine qualifying something that you think or you or I need or want with this. How will this greater help me glorify Christ in my life? Song we sing, in my life, Lord, be glorified. I'd be glorified in my school, in my work, you know, all the different stanzas of that. Is that a, the thought process for you as you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, as you're growing in the, and conforming the likeness of Christ, do you look at things and, and when you're thinking that, you know, oh, I want the new 85-inch uh, flat screen TV, not because you have... Um, macular degeneration or some condition with which, no, but you know, you just be able to watch it bigger and better. So you go out and buy something that you don't necessarily have a need for and you don't even have the money for. Why? Because it's going to fill this innate longing and desire you have. I'd be careful with the motivations of those. And I say that because it's not inherently what I'm saying is what are you striving to accomplish or achieve through this? What is your ultimate heart's desire in these longings? And this is where we address this issue tonight of kingship. And listen to verse 4 and 5 again. So it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together, went to Samuel. Remember, this is the elders that went. So we have the leadership. The leadership goes to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Look, you are old. Sons don't walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint to us a king to judge us the same as all the other nations here. They want a king. They want that person that's out front. They want that leadership. They're falling for the lie. 
or at least being tempted by it. And the first thing I want to share with you is this tonight. Ready? We were created to follow leadership. There we go, Brother Jonathan. <laughs> That's why they were saying that. No, they already had a leader. They actually had the leader of all leaders, God. They didn't need a king. They had, they had the ultimate king. There could never have been any other king that would have been in any way permanent to the kingship of God. And that's what I say to us tonight. We have been created to follow leadership, but God has created us to follow certain leadership in a spiritual sense. Now, you might have a lost boss at work, and you are still submit to that leadership unless they ask you to do something unbiblical or something against the law. You are to, what the Bible says, there's no authority but that which God has instituted, and when we rebel against it, we rebel against God. So you're boss at work. Yes, oh, they're not a Christian. I don't have to. Yes, you do. If you rebel against them, it's as if you are rebelling against God because God is the one that established and allowed them to be, in a sense, in a place of leadership. But see, in our own personal life, there is going to be a king. There always must be a king, a leader. Who is tonight the leader, the passion? Who is your heartbeat? Who's the one that you live for and die for? Again, that's not a person that you put in there tonight because that leadership, there's going to be someone we follow. I don't even care if you're a strong leader. If you have those characteristics, you are still following a leader in your life. There is a Lord over you. And it be any number of those other things we referenced just a little bit ago, and we have to introspectively look continually and say, who is the king of my heart? Who's the king? Once God is going on the throne of my heart, I know no one else. Oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can allow things continually to vie for the affections of heart. Just looking at even Samson and thinking about that right there and how God and this Nazarite vow and how when he was yielded to the purpose and plans of God, God was using him in mighty ways, but in this sin comes in there. What did it do? began to rob. And you think about Saul wanting God, wanting to help God do his job. You know, oh, Samuel hadn't been here to offer the sacrifice, so oh, I'm going to go ahead and, and do this and help God do his job. No. When God says we're not, we're not to do something or God says we're to do something, we don't do it or we do it when he wants us to do it. It's never going to work out if we try to be the Lord of our life. We can't do it. We do a terrible job, by the way. But listen to verse 6. So when they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. We'll stop there. Again, we should have no other king but God. No other king. If you are a codependent person, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to have a spiritual period of time that you deal with that head, head on. And the reason being is, I want to tell you, when that person dies, you're getting ready to find out a misery like you've never known because they're not supposed to be your king. They're supposed to be complementary in our lives. They're supposed to be complementary things that God's blessed with, but not supposed to be placed in the wrong or improper, the pyramids. You think about the pyramid. There's nothing ever supposed to be above God. But when people, and we begin to, to, to have those codependent relationships, what happens is we take those people and put them up here, and it's wrong. 
It's not only wrong in the sense of idolatry, but it's wrong to put that person in that place because they cannot fulfill the role that you place them in. They're not created for that. We're not created to, to try to trump God. We're not, we're not created to be somebody's ultimate everything. No, God was the one that always and only should occupy that rightfully, that space. Why do the lost never find true fulfillment? We think they do. I can't tell you the number of times when I say, you know, don't look to your law. They're, they're getting their heaven now. I mean, they look so happy and they're always healthy and they don't have no problems. And you know what you're getting? You're getting the icing. You don't know what's going on inside. And I assure you, uh, it's like Andy Dufresne on uh, Shawshank Redemption, time and pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Remember that rock hammer? Time and pressure. I got the time. Don't worry. The pressure will come. It will expose the reality of things. I promise you. You might go, you know, they're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. You just keep on letting it happen. We're, we're not the ones. We're not, right? What does it talk about? With the, the Lord's the one that's going to winnow, winnow things out. We're not the ones that are the, the people that are pulling weeds up, are we? No, you let God do that. But time and pressure, we have time on our side. Meaning you let God expose what needs to be exposed. But us, we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest about our intentions. We've got to be honest about our thoughts. We've got to be honest about who is the king. Who is the king? If you're battling codependency, don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to us. Oh, that's not a battle I have. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. If you battle with money, being a, being a God in your life, in any respect, an idol, be honest with yourself. Get it out there in the front because when you deal with it honestly, hey, pride. Pride might be your thing. And you might be battling with pride lording over you. Get honest with yourself. Get in God's presence. Lay it out. Deal with it. Because the, God's called us to be conforming into his likeness. We are in a preparatory phase right now. Salvation, sanctification, death occurs glorification. When we enter his presence and the glorification, I can't wait. But right now during this training stage, this is a time we deal with this stuff. This is a time that God has amazing abilities to use us for his glory. But when we're not allowing ourselves to stay on the potter's wheel and let the potter form us and make us, what can we be used for? Honestly, used for. When we are not allowing God to bend us to bend us to his will, we're not going to form him to ours. We might think that. You know, me and God have an understanding, right? You heard that said time and time. I've heard it time and time again. Yeah, I, I know you do. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You got it. That's the understanding that we know scriptures about that. But we are very good at deceiving ourselves. If you find yourselves, even now, you know, you think about what's going on with all right right you know what i'm talking about people desiring to to live in lives and lifestyles that are completely contradictory to god's word and oh well i mean the 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 leadership of the church said it's okay so it's got to be okay and but no god's word is the authority church 
It's not what I say. It's not my compromise. It's God's word. It doesn't have anything to do with what I want. Nothing. God never came to me and said, what do you think about the concept of marriage? He never said it. He put it in his word. But the problem is now, I don't know how they're doing this, but they're muting the biblical picture of what God's creative order is. And, oh, we're going to wait till they grow up to figure out whether they're male or female. What have you lost your mind? You give me two seconds. That's the length it takes me. I will give you a definitive answer. Quick. Girl or boy, there are no differentiations. The wedding tackle tells you everything. That is the defining factor that at the end of the day, guess what? You know what a girl is, you know what a boy is, and, and I don't care what the world says. They can try to skew everything about God's creative order, and I don't care what they say. Truth is truth. Why? Because it doesn't change. Same issue right here with kingship. We can explain it away. Well, I'm a person that I like control, and, and if, if I don't have things like this, I just don't do well. Well, you're just going to not do well anyways because God must be king. Stop the control. Let go. Let it go and let God do it. How many times is it that, uh, was it Chuck Swindoll, the Respectable Sins book? It's called Respectable Sins. You know, that's, that's the, oh, those are, bad, those are the people that do drugs and they drink and things like that. Those are, those, you know, I, I don't do that stuff. Now I'm just prideful and controlling and slanderous and insolent and arrogant and boastful, but I'm not like them. <laughs> Thank God. But sadly, I just hit the nail on the head because we look at them. See, I'm not like them. You got it. You're worse. You're a whitewashed tomb full of dead man's bones because you convinced yourself that you're righteous and your unrighteousness. As that person lays out there in the ditch and what? Beats their chest and says, I'm unworthy. See, we can't have a king other than God. He's it. No matter how bad you battle this, we're all going to battle it. We're all going to battle it in different arenas, meaning in different circumstances, different things that you battle that I don't. It's, it's a whole different thing with each of us. It, it changes as you get older. It's true. But it's still a battle all the same. Every day we're in a war. We're in a war with what? Ourselves. We're in a war with the enemy. Now, it's been won by Christ, but we are engaging in war every day. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. See, we already know the scripture tells us we're in this war. We're fighting these battles every single day, and we have to win. Because if not, we get knocked down, and the, the question is, how long is it going to take you when you're knocked down to finally recognize, whoa, what am I doing Repent of that, get up. All of that is time that we can't get back. It's meaningless, foolish. How long will we allow the enemy to hold us down in that mindset, even of foolishness that had no reason? And 
By the way, it had no authority with which to do it. The only way it was allowed to is by us allowing it. Do you realize that our minds cannot be overtaken by temptation unless what? We engage it and allow it. That's why Scripture says take every thought captive to the will of Christ. When you take every thought captive to the will of Christ, you know what temptation has? Zero power. None. None. You want to take the power out of temptation? Stop allowing it. Take all of those thoughts captive to Christ. And guess what? Temptation has zero dominion over you and I. And then listen to verse 7. But the Lord told them, listen to the people and everything that they say to you. They have not rejected you. They've rejected me as their king. And the third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is the kingship of Christ leads to contentment. But anyone else brings catastrophe or you could put in there anything else. Anything that goes in that place of kingship, lordship, it will not fulfill you. It can't. It cannot. Again, it's as if Share when I came to Christ, it was as if I'd been trying to put a square peg in a round hole for my entire 29 years of existence. I tried it every which way. I tried everything. No matter what, it might temporarily seem like it was going to... It's like putting an egg in a car. You know, they used to do that when you'd go trade in a, a car, you'd put an egg in there, make it, you know, seal it up. Now, is that a long-term solution? No, it's all short-term. It is, isn't it? It's like putting... Uh, that radiator uh, stop leak in there. It might fix it for a little bit, but what does it do? It just masks the problem. It's like putting fix a flat in your tire. Is that a permanent fix? No. And see, we can try these little things, but the only thing that they're going to do is make the problem worse, spiritually speaking. And you find yourself ultimately going farther than you want to go. You're kept longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you want to pay. And you're no farther along. As a matter of fact, you're much farther back but as I shared with a Christian yesterday I got to work with, I, I told them, I said, you know, sadly, we do more destruction to the kingdom as believers than the unbelievers ever dreamed of. There was, how many people have you ever heard that, that they don't do business with Christians? They don't want to. This is a, this is a normal thing, and, and I've met in Christian circles because what happens? They've gotten burnt so many times by the believers and it shouldn't be that way, should it? The same way that on your car with your I love Jesus bumper stickers and your I love Jesus hat and you're acting a fool and acting, what do you do? We do, damn When God is not preeminent and he is not king and Lord and thoughts are not being taken captive to Christ, we can act in some pretty bad ways, can't we? When self takes over, self just becomes the rule of the day and self-service is something that we are incredibly incredibly good at. The young person yesterday, he's only 21 years old, they were talking about the, the youth of the generation now, and, and this person said, uh, I was like, wow, you know, I was kind of shocked when I heard what they were talking about, and oh, she said, oh yeah, my, my car payment's $1,000, and she said, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm living at my parents' house, she said, I'm not going to work past 50 years old, she said, I'm going to enjoy life, and she said, I'll just tell you how, I'll tell you, you want to know how it is? I'm like, well, sure, I'd like to know how it is. She said, I got $24 in my account, and I'm going to Yamato's tonight. I don't care. I'd be in a full panic. 
If I had a $1,000 car payment and $24, and that's exactly what she said, $24, it'll ne I'll never forget that, $24 in my account, I'd be in a panic. Oh, no. You, hey, you'd have thought she had $40,000. And she, I mean, I saw in her face, she was dead serious. I looked over to the nurse practitioner. I said, dude, we are cooked. We are in trouble. I said, this is what's supposed to take, and I was pointed out, I said, this is what's supposed to take care of me and you when we get in this place. I said, we're in trouble. But what is the issue? I'll tell you what's out of the issue. Christ. When you love what? The Lord with your... God, with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, love your neighbor as himself. But when we have the Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all is loving yourself. When self is here, she was just being honest with the human condition last night, which I appreciated, the honesty. Not a believer. Just being honest about the human condition. The sad part is we are believers and we can do the same thing. That's why I think it's so important for us as believers to continually, continually make sure kingship is in the proper order continually because the world is watching. There's been too many decades of Christians out there not demonstrating the real Jesus, not demonstrating the real lordship of Christ, not selfless, sacrificial service to the kingdom, it's been selfish motivated. Well, I'm good at this and I'll do that. I don't care what your gift is. It's been all the stuff in so many, we don't have this here because listen church, I wouldn't put up with this for five minutes. I'd go find some people that love Jesus and one, we are, we have such a great, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. We have such peace in this church. I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for all those that are seeking the Lord here. So we have, I truly, and my opinion, maybe I'm jaded, I think we have the exception, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that in our Sunday school class over here, hey, our children, in, in some of the cases, know more than a lot of our adults know. I'm thankful for that. You know that some of our kids know more scripture than many of our adults know. And that, to me, is a badge of honor. Do I, would I like it if the adults knew more than the kids? Yes, I would. But I'm thankful that these kids out here for a very long time now have been having God's word imparted in their hearts and that's an investment that we're making in them that will not return void. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have a church that has a passion for God's word and every year when I print those things I run out every year and I think it's awesome because that shows that we have people in this church that are hungry and thirsty for truth, for righteousness, to seek God's face and God will bless that beyond measure. And my question tonight to you is, are you seeking him? And are you one of those that I'm talking about again? I don't know if you're reading or not. But if you're one of those that's not reading tonight, I would encourage you to get to the place where you are because if not, the only thing you're doing is preempting the kingship of Christ in your life, just like the person I talked with yesterday. Things will never get right. They will never get right. Well, I'm going to try to start coming to church more. You can come to church till you're blue in the face. You can camp here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if you will not choose an overt act of getting God's word, you can sit here the rest of your life and split hell wide open. 
sorry, but that's the truth. I'm not even apologizing for it, but that's just the reality of it. What preeminence of Christ, of God, and kingship requires is the removal of self. It is not salvation we're taking on God and adding him to my life like an app. No, Scripture actually says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's the continual kingship, the lordship of Christ in all things him preeminent. Number one, is he there tonight with you? Do you get excited when you think about worship because of the privilege of coming together to enjoy the blessings of the body of Christ, praying with, praying for, share each other's burdens, laugh with, cry with, all of the things that we do? Do you get excited about the privilege of coming and doing that, or is that a laborious act, one that you go, oh, oh, not again. I hope that that's not the case tonight. I hope that you desire to be in God's presence. I hope you desire to be in the fellowship of believers. And if not, I would ask you tonight, I ask all of us anyways, introspective step back. Is he preeminent? Preeminence of Christ tonight. Kingship, lordship. It's all one, one concept we're looking at. Is he your everything? First, is he your last? Do you start your day with him? Do you end your day with him? And is literally your day about him? When you go to work, do you say, God, mold me, make me, use me, prepare me, do whatever it is, God, that you need to do. Lead me to who I need to see today, who you want me to talk to, what you want me to do. God, I don't know, but I know you do. God, I know you know that I think that I need more money or I need this or I need that, but God, lead me to whatever it is that you want for my life, you want for my family, you want for my work, workplace, any changes you think you might have in that, you just, God, I know what I think I need or want, but what do you want? Because God, kingship means I'm submitting myself to the leadership of you. And that is an incredible philosophy, but it's one that God will bless exponentially because in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we see all in Scripture, he will do Ephesians 3, 20, as he does Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, when he leads us, guides us, directs us, and he just does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And the beauty of it all ultimately is, no matter what happens within the scope of that, Romans 8, 28 applies to each and every scenario within that, that all things work together for good, to what them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So tonight, the lordship concept are you trusting him no matter where he has you at? Are you trying to take control of things when you find you don't like the circumstances? That's not lordship. It's getting back down here, letting him be there, and letting no matter what God allows to be used, knowing that each and every step in that path is divinely orchestrated by God for a purpose and a plan that is much bigger than us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, tonight, as we are able to study your word, God, and understand and study deeply, Father, the concept of kingship. Thank you, Father, that your desire is to be our, our Lord, to be our God, to be our master, Father. I pray that we will yield ourselves to your leadership. We will yield ourselves to you, the potter. Father, we are but the clay. 
I pray during this invitation tonight, Lord, for ones that are finding themselves not allowing you to be the Lord of their lives, not allowing you to be king. God, I pray that during this time of invitation, they would confess that as the sin it is. Purpose, Lord, to allowing you to be in everything, number one, first and foremost. God, I pray you'd be glorified in our lives, Lord, in our homes, our families, workplaces. I pray if there's somebody here or watching online that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night, Lord, that your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, reveals to them they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Real, uh, realizing Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.